I think that sounds good. I think that sounds good enough. Cool. I was having a bunch of issues on my end, but we're all good now. <laughs> you sure you don't want to put it on till tomorrow? No, 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 no. I do not. I don't because I'm in the mindset now. We're in the mindset. Don't see. We can't. You can't come in with this kind of like negative energy because we will not submit to the technology. I feel like us as a culture, we're at any, left and right. We are submitting to technology and letting them just take our place. I mean, they have AI paintings now everywhere and stuff, and they're doing really good jobs. AI has got some pretty cool paintings they've done. And it's like, I, I don't want to be another cog in the machine that's just yeah, submitting to technology. There's no soul, man. There's no soul. Oh, no, it's missing. It's not saying anything because you can't say anything as a computer. You can just you can say what has been said, but you can't. It's not, it's just different. There's it's something different to it. And and basically all you're doing is you're reading into it and making up your own interpretation of it because, but I mean, yeah. I guess it's kind of art anyways. Is that not though? Like when you look at a painting, unless you can ask the artist or, or he's made it very, or she, sorry, has made it very apparent that uh, what their meaning behind the painting is, aren't you kind of just drawing your own meaning from the picture? Well, you shouldn't. I mean, ideally, I think you you should always strive to understand what the author's intent is, right? The origin of where the work of art came from, song, painting, or otherwise, but, you know. Well, I mean, I think that that's what you should do. There is some element of subjective application to one's life, but... Well, that's what I'm saying is like at the end of the day, though, unless it's like with a song, it's one thing. But especially with a painting there at the end of the day, I'm going to try to figure out what the artist is thinking or what they were feeling or what they were trying to express when they painted this. But I may see something in it that they weren't intending me to really focus on. And it just happened to be the thing that I focused on. Yeah. So I could miss it completely. I mean, in one sense, it should spark one to think. Right. Yeah. I mean, in one sense, like if you write a song about a particular moment in life, there is always going to, you know, you try to make that connection with other people when they listen to it. They may, mm. you know, take it back to a certain moment in their life and that kind of thing. But also there's a little bit of room left for application, you know, on how it makes you feel or what it makes you think when you listen to it. You what know. is the most moving song? you've ever heard or like a song that you think of when you heard it or when you listen to it it would just conjure up an emotion that nothing else has it could even be a hymn which i know is probably you're going to say some kind of hymn or worship song i believe <laughs> i feel I, I wish you would say something else like i wish you say something but like the talking heads but i know you're not going to i know you're going to say something but the gaithers because that's the man you are now that's the man you are now the man i aspire to be but it's but yet I I know that's where it's gonna go. <laughs> You're trying to say just be real, Dad. <laughs> no, 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 just be you, just be you, just be you. Be whatever you need to be. It it depends, you know, because music does that, right? There is that connection. The thing, you know, listening to music. If you hear certain songs, right, it takes you back to a certain period in your life. So there are periods of my life I don't want to remember. And so, like, if I hear a song come on on a show that goes back then, you know, I'll just turn it off. But every once in a while, you know, one will will trigger a good memory and I'll just, you know, listen to it for a while. And that sort of takes me back to that, you know, 
point in time in life and you know that's not that's not bad i just for me earlier years there was so much in, in you know a certain time in my life that was connected with music that you know it's like i, I just don't want to remember <laughs> well so are you so they now, take me back there but have you actually had a moment where you heard a song in a show that conjured up a memory of a past time in your life that it was so like maybe jarring or whatever that you just turned the show off and you're like I just don't want to hear this song at all? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So is there certain songs that you can think of right now that you'd be like, that is one of the songs that if I hear, like I can't listen to it ever again? Yeah. Do you mind? Could you, would you be willing to, uh, and like tell me one of them I like the song specifically well one is by the Thompson twins I don't oh, remember the, the you say that like it, I'm supposed it, to know who that is played often but who is that 80s band you know 80s band 80s 90s. what kind of music I use like that uh, new wave I would say is the style of music like Flock of Seagulls oh you know okay I, mean? I see what you're saying you know? All right. What's, yeah. What's so I the mean, song? there's just certain certain songs that that you know take me back to at certain period of my life. I don't want to remember, but every once in a while, you know, like when I was younger, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes a, a song will play on the radio, or I'll hear it in a show, and brings back a fond memory. So I'll listen to it. I think that's the nice thing about music. It's just it, it it has a way of connecting you, you know, but it can connect you in a good way or a bad way. Depending in a bad way, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But I mean, then there's 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 songs like but there's never a song except for hymns that have actually brought me to tears. Mm. Like, you mm. know, Holy 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 is one, Channels Only is another, uh, you know, they're just Channels Only. And wow. it's not like every time I hear them, but there are yeah. certain hymns that will sing that, you know, I, I I have a hard time getting through them. There are definitely few songs I can think of that brought me to tears. And it was just because it hit me at the right place at the right time. And now I think that's it's very interesting because there are definitely songs and, and artists and, and styles of music even that I liked at one point. And they were something that I listened to a lot in a certain time of my life. And even though I will not be as proud of that time of my life, and I don't even listen to that music as much now, only just because it feels unfitting to where I'm at now, it's just like that doesn't soundtrack where I'm at mentally anymore. I'm not at that really yeah. low state. I'm not getting just wasted on a regular basis. So I don't, that just doesn't appeal to me to hear that song. But I don't, it doesn't bring me back to the, to that place. Like I don't have that memory unlocked fully to where I can't enjoy the song when I do hear it every once in a while, but it's almost like a little tip of the hat, a little nod to the song. I'm like, I remember that moment. Let's not go back there, but I'm, I'm glad I can appreciate that. I'm no longer there by listening to this song. Yeah. But it's, it's hard. It's kind of like family. Cause you know, when I get together with family, there's sort of like this unspoken rule like that we all have to go back to who we were when we were younger and i don't want i'm not that person anymore and i don't want to go back to being that person but it's like when you get together with family it's like when you're around your siblings it just depends but what what role do you feel feel like like i'm supposed to go back what role do you feel like you're being boxed into whenever you are around your family it's like a completely different role or just like characteristics about you or things that like what has changed so dramatically? 
that would affect the dynamic of yeah, you around just your siblings. characteristics about me, you know, but probably I, you know, I think in some ways I've gotten a lot more serious than I was when I was younger, mm. which it's not bad to be lighthearted. I think I've just gotten a lot more, you know. I mean, you're in pain 24-7, so I couldn't imagine seriousness hasn't followed behind that. <laughs> I, I mean, I could only imagine that there's some sense of the moment, you know. That yeah. comes with that kind of burden. Yeah, it, it wears on you. Do you feel like music has been, because you don't go and listen to music a ton. You're not like some, that's not your go-to thing. I mean, it, is the only time you put on music, I mean, when would you put on music typically? I Once in a great while, if I'm in the car hmm. by myself, I might turn something on, but that's not very, very often I would do that. Just every once in a while. Actually, it's mostly when if I ride in the car with you kids, I put something on. Yeah. Or I'll listen to, you know, if, if one of you have something on, I'll listen to it because then you usually play songs that I, you know. You know what I just listened like, to? Like Aiden, it's funny because he came in and started playing this song on the guitar the other day. And then I told him what the name was. And he totally was surprised I even actually knew the song. What song was, was it? Like, I, who was it by? Uh, I think it was the one by by Nirvana. Oh, uh, was it "Smells Like Teen Spirit"? I think it was yeah. I, I he had sent me a video of him playing that song. I was like, I'm sure Mom is proud that that is a song that you've learned to pluck out on the guitar. And then there was another one that he played from them, and I mentioned, and he was like, I can't, you know, a little bit shocked <laughs> that I I knew these songs. Like somehow his dad couldn't. Like you've just been out of touch forever. Exactly. You've been under a rock. He's like, but dad, you haven't left the bedroom or the couch downstairs. How do you even know of these things? But I do get out. I just, you know, I just don't get out like I used to. But yeah. I mean, you it, get out. You've, kind of you've, funny. you've driven like a total of four city blocks in the last two years. But I mean, you do get out and about every once in a while. That's not true. But, <laughs> but it feels like that sometimes. So. How does well, do you ever it's, feel it's weird it's like getting in the car? Yeah, I like don't know. I mean, I'm after not that months that far of not driving, it. it just depends. It's like everything happens here, mm. ministry-wise, counseling people, whatever you know, doing Greek class and Bible study and other things. So it's like everything happens here. It seems like I'm here. You know, there's no real but reason to need I got, to leave. I got stuff that I got to do around town and things like that. Meet folks for coffee and do those kinds of things. Yeah, get out early in the morning, and or Mister Chumley will come over and have coffee with me at the house. I have um, I have not to just derail this and take us in another direction, but I feel like I have a question that has been resting heavy, and I know that we tackle some serious topics at times, and this is about to get really serious. And okay. so maybe if you're under the age of even 27, then don't listen to this question because it's very it's very deep. And that is, uh, what is the greater sin, ball theft or hitting into someone on a par three? <laughs> In your opinion, as a pastor, as a man of the Lord. What are the choices? Ball theft or hitting into someone on a par three. Which one would you be more irritated or put off by if you were playing around a round of golf 
I, I don't know. Have you ever had people that have just hit into you and the balls come, you know, a little bit, a little bit close, a bit of a close call? Yeah, you know, I, I'd probably say it would probably be that, you know, when someone, they don't yell for like they're supposed to, they don't know the etiquette and they mm-hmm. almost take your head off. But, you know, as far as the other, I mean, it happens and it's not like people do it intentionally. Well, some might. They'd like to think their their ball went where they thought it was going to go and <laughs> just saw what was there and played it. Yeah. But I don't know. <clears throat> this is the depth of our. <laughs> Listen, hey, I I don't don't I don't judge the question because this is it's a conundrum. This is actually teams. I don't know which one is. I'm just telling you. Listen, I mean, if I was this, I wasn't going to even speak into this because I figured that why should I make those kind of judgments for people? You know, I'm not going to play judge and jury on what's a greater sin. But yeah. if I'm being honest, if it's blatant ball theft where you knew it wasn't your ball and you picked it up and took it, then. Yes. Yeah, that's that's wrong. That's even yeah. worse, I think. Because I think that if it's a par three and you're hitting into them, you just assume you're not going to hit it the distance you're, you hit it. So you actually were humble. You stepped up to the tee humble. There's those guys up there that are like, they're on a par five. And they're like, ah, they're on the green. I'm not going to I'm not gonna swing. You're like, dude, you are not going to put it on the green. It is 600 yards from us. There, I've seen your shots all day. You're, you can go ahead and swing. So the yeah, people but, that well, I guess you kind of have to qualify that one because I could see that, yeah, because they don't think they're going to put it that far, and then maybe they they do. They happen to hit, get everything right, and they make it happen, mm-hmm. right? And it goes farther than they expected to go on that. But whether or not then they say anything after they realize they just crushed the ball or, you know mm. what I'm saying? Yeah, and they just let it go and don't yell four or something like that, and the ball comes whizzing by your head. Then I probably that to me over the ball theft because whatever I got a bag full. I could lose a ball, but I've only got one noggin. You know, if you take if you hit me right in my frontal lobe, that's probably worse than me losing a Callaway. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm glad that we can settle that, you know, because here's the thing. I want this podcast to be lighthearted and something that we can joke about, but I want to be able to tackle the really difficult issues that are plaguing people these days. You know what I mean? Because there's not enough people addressing real life issues. I was just figuring that it was code for something. (laughs) Here I am talking about how, yeah, I'm totally hip. I know songs that (laughs) bands do. Like I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be in case, in case any of the kids are still listening and I don't want them to know exactly what we're talking about. I'm using some kind of like side language. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm not that clever. I'm glad you would assume that I'm. I think that far ahead into my planning, but no, 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 that wasn't it at all. You know. <laughs> it was pretty. It was literal. It was real literal. Hey, I've always said you're a really smart kid. You're a genius. Oh, so like, I, can, I never know what's gonna come off the top of your head. Yeah, that's that's the. I have a question. So, have you now? Now, this is interesting. Maybe we would We should address this off podcast. But hey, well, here we go. 
do you we're five this is the fifth episode welcome to the may god help us podcast you know guys the, the podcast that doesn't introduce itself until halfway through the episode basically <laughs> yeah. uh consistently five episodes in a row we don't intro ourselves i mean it's fine because on the other podcast i'm a part of we don't intro ourselves ever typically we just outro it because it's just it's so much more natural to just let the conversation start as it starts and not do like a three, two, one, welcome to the yeah. show, and then have to start all of a sudden. And yeah. it's like, well, let's just start it when it starts to feel natural all of a sudden. But five episodes in, was there any nervousness going into doing the podcast with me specifically? Having me be the co-host, having your name and your opinions kind of side by side next to my name and my opinions at times. No. Uh-uh. Or was there ever a fear that I would say something or or maybe, I don't know, was there any getting into bed with me in this whole project? Was there any kind of nervousness about it? <laughs> no. I, well, I would say no. I just, but one of the things, because you bring that up, one of the things I've always appreciated about you was that you don't, Look, everyone deals with life. We don't always tell everybody everything, mm. but you've always been pretty open. I've never had to guess where you're at, right? And yeah. with you, it's always been what you see is what you get. There, mm-hmm. There's a genuineness in that way about you and honesty. So in that regard, no. I, well, I, I mean, there's that's that's one thing for me that I've I've had a and I think maybe I got to spend more time praying about in my regular day to day life with um, like a balance between on the last podcast, the not the last podcast, but the other podcast that I do. I've had an issue with like when we first started doing it, keeping a balance of being genuinely myself and being honest to who I really am. And where I'm really at and not just pretending to be somebody I'm not. And also yeah. sometimes battling with the fact that I'm not always the person I wish I was. You know? And so it's it's yeah. hard sometimes when you have to hear yourself back. And I'm like, ah. Because there was a period of time where I would kind of edit myself more and more and pretty heavily in certain... When we first started doing the the other podcast that I'm a part of because... I didn't, I wanted to be somebody that I wasn't. And I was a little bit ashamed that I wasn't that person yet. And I wasn't really taking too many strides to get there, which made that self editing and and stuff seem very disjointed and awkward because it was just kind of clearly not, I was like just giving a spiel. I wasn't really talking about me and who I am. And I, I feel with this now, I feel way further along in my faith than I was when I started that other podcast. Um, most of those episodes on that original episodes of that podcast have been deleted just because they're boring and not worth listening to. But at the same time, I think I've definitely come a long way, but I still censor myself at times on this podcast. And I'm curious to think like, all right, to what extent should like who is our aiming demographic? Again, this could be a podcast that we do. This could be a conversation we have off the podcast, but whatever. Is there a, is there a conversation topics or things that you don't want to address or you don't want to bring up if it's a part of real life for one of us, mostly me, because you don't have any problems at the moment or over the last, <laughs> how long have I known you? 50 years? <laughs> but I'm 54. 54. Oh, boy. No, you're 50. 53. 55. No, 
You're 55? You just do. We did two episodes ago. It was your birthday. And we said how old you were. I don't, this, I have trouble remembering it's I my birthday and I then remember how I, old I am. I, I think mean, it's how many 55. years was like 45? But that, no, no, that's it. It was 10 years. This year was 10 years of being 45 because you were 55 now. And now you're going to be 55 for 10 more years. That's probably how it's going to work. But are there, are there things that you, I don't know, are hesitant to want to discuss or topics that you're not sure you want to, to talk about or, or I don't know. I don't know what. Well, in one sense, no, because I mean, if you really want to help people with what they're wrestling with, then you had to be willing to have the conversation. Right. But the other side is that it, you know, if you're just doing it to do it to like peak interests, right. Or whatever. Mm, yeah. You know, shock cells, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And if that's why you do it, then what's the point, right? Because all you're trying to do is just draw an audience, and I'm not about that. But I have, if it's I have, something, it's a need for somebody, then once it's no, I don't have a problem with it. I've definitely seen those people that are Christian creators. Not, I'm not going to name any names because I don't really watch them much anymore or at all. But like uh, I've seen over time people who their main thing was just like, like it was a marital couple, you know, doing a podcast where they were talking about marriage and different tips of Christian, like for Christian couples. And then it became where like every other episode had sex in the title and then every episode had sex in the title. And not because they weren't, they were like talking explicitly, they were talking biblically, but it was, it just became like, that was the episodes that did the best. Yeah. So they just kept, that became their thing was just talking about sex. And eventually I'm like, listen, you're, over a hundred episodes in, like there's only so much to talk about, about sex, really, you know, you've really, it's, it's not that it's really not just abounding in topics to discuss, especially under a biblical thing. It's not like you're just cracking jokes about it all day. So, well, um, if you're, if you're, if you're real, like, again, if you're trying to meet people's needs, then you're going to cover a whole gamut of things. If you're simply just, you know, responding to what draws the crowd, Mm-hmm. then you're going to stay with that topic and always go to that topic. And I think that that's unfortunate because then, you know, it's just about the interest that you peak and that's it. Yeah. And it's simply, then it's not, it, it's not ultimately then seeking to benefit anybody as much as it is just trying to keep people interested and in tuning into whatever you're talking about. And if that's the main thing, then mm. I mean, there's more stuff that people wrestle with. I and I, but there's a, you know, people talk about being real and open and honest, and that's good. But doesn't mean that you don't have to have a filter either, mm-hmm. or that you don't have to be cautious in how you speak of things. And you know, people can, uh, you know, wrestle with certain areas of life, but you don't have to sensationalize it in talking about it. You don't have to. You know, but I've always said like Proverbs when it deals with, you know, talking about temptations that come from the adulterers and things like that. Solomon paints a pretty clear picture. He he doesn't, you know, in one sense hold, he hold back. back about the solicitation, but then gives all the ramifications for giving in or for not giving in and all the blessings that come as a result of that. So there I think that the in the church we've kind of gotten that way a bit where people are afraid to talk about things. I mean, yeah, there are 
conversations that I'm uncomfortable with, but mm-hmm. but they're genuine needs. So therefore, I think you need to be willing to talk about them as a pastor. Not that you would do it in a crowded room with people, but you know, most oftentimes there are things that you just deal with one on one. Well, know, I think that's I think too that's kind of where, and this is something that, and I'm, I want to ask a bit of your opinion on, but. That's why I think the church should be more than just a Sunday service, you know, and if, and if, you know, you're, it's really just a chance for the hub of Christians in that area that need a place to meet and be with the family of God together. It's a place to come for that. And so you do get your Sunday service and you get your sermon and your singing, but having, you know, Bible studies and groups and things for all these different people of different ages and like men's Bible study, men's youth Bible study, this and like so that that's kind of where those conversations will tend to take place within a smaller circle of people where it's pertaining to just what they need. Because when you're in a packed room of of families where you have the mom and the dad, but then you have kids of all ages there, you know, you don't want to get too explicit or, or not like you're like you just don't want to be too blunt with it at times because you don't know what yeah. the parents have told their kids about and they don't want to have to have. You don't want to put them in an awkward situation where they have to have a weird convo on the way home from church on the way to Sherry's, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why you have to be careful even when you're preaching, depending on what, you know, book you're going through. I mean, if you can deal with Leviticus 18, I mean, it's not like there's a lot of wonderful things addressed in there. I mean, how do you preach through that? So you kind of have to take into, you know, consideration who's in the room, the ages that are there and you know, address things without specifically addressing them. But, but I think that's part of getting together for worship is that is making those connections, you know, and then the life after that, right. As, is an outgrowth of that is that people get together and one-on-one together in groups, but that's part of the body life. I mean, when you disconnect yourself from that, you don't have that, that ability to lean on others, which that's what Mm -hmm. body life provides the ability to, have someone who can walk alongside of you as you go through things and you can talk <clears throat> over things with, but you realize then you're dealing with different levels of maturity. And one has mm. to be careful of that because some people are, are mature enough to handle serious issues and some are not. And so therefore you don't go confiding in someone who's not mature in the faith on certain things because, you know, I've also seen where people have taken things like that where someone who's bared their soul and they go use that to exalt themselves over that other person. Oh, I can't believe what so and so did, and you, you know. And then they start spreading it around and talking behind their back, and it's like they yeah. use it as a catalyst to make themselves look all spiritual and but look at how the amazing same time, I am, though, or my kids are, or whatever. That kind of thing should start and stop right there. Is what I feel like. Should. I feel like that 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 the rumor or the spreading it around that should stop at the next person he tells. Like you shouldn't have so many people in the church that are immature in their faith to where they're okay with just allowing the gossip to go around, you know? So it should be where if say you do have somebody that is in the room for a a conversation, I don't have a problem opening up in front of people, even if I don't know all of them exactly, you know? And and mostly because I'm detached enough from anything that I that I'm willing to share pretty much that I don't really care who knows about it. It's not a big deal to me. I don't feel like I need to hide anything. Um, but I would imagine that the next person that they go and start talking about it to that's in the church, like, Hey, yo, that's not, that's, if he shared that to you in confidence, you shouldn't go telling it around. Or I heard this one, 
I've been listening to um, The Porch, I Shadow the Mountain, the last episode, and um, it's uh, Watermark Church, is, who's the church that runs this like young adult ministry thing called The Porch, and um, a, a few different speakers had talked about the fact that they have a kind of a rule there that if anybody like comes and starts saying anything negative or anything that could be considered gossip about somebody else to anybody else that works on staff, then they'll be like, hey, did you tell that to that person? And then if they're like, no, they're like, okay, well, you have 24 hours to tell that person what you just told me, or I'm going to have to go tell that person what you just told me. So it's like, if you come and you're like, oh, dude, have you seen Dave recently? Oh, he's been, a, he is a lot today. He's just really being a lot. Like, I'm nothing against the guy, but he's just, it's a little much sometimes. You know, and then immediately they'd be like, all right, well, did you did you tell him that? Because if not, that's something you have to do now. And if not, then the one of us that you just informed about Dave is going to go talk to Dave for you. Yeah. And I don't know, what do you think about that? Do you think that's a, an extreme way of going about it or... Well, not necessarily. I mean, if you, if, if, you know, I mean, that's one of the things growing up in the church, I think that that is something that has always been a problem of church life is gossip. You know, it's the one place where you should be able to come bury your soul. And at the same time, you know, like I yeah. say, it's the, it's the one place you go where we shoot our wounded. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unfortunate, but you know, then the response is, well, like, just don't go at all. But that's not the answer either. The the answer is to do something to change it. And I think in that regards, they're trying to, to change body life and, and strive towards better as opposed to, you know, just pointing out the flaw and then letting it go. They're trying to do something about it. So Mm. yeah, I think it's, it's good, but it is true. I mean, it's, it's like with Matthew 18, when you deal with someone in sin, you're supposed to go to them face to face and deal with them privately. And if you can win your brother and sister in private, then it's done, right? If they've repented and it's over with, then it's done. You don't make it public. So the principle there is keep it small as long as you can keep it small. But the problem is we live in in the age of the internet where everything is just telegraphed everywhere to everybody. And it's like people get upset at someone. They just go aired on the internet tweet this tweet that instead of talking the person to their faith face and that's that's a part of the culture but it's not supposed to be part of church culture but you know we tend to reflect the world back to itself unfortunately in ways well i feel like we're we're sinners but you know at the same time we need to be striving as a body to not be like that and to be counter to that so i think anything that we can do to nip it in the bud but if you start making a bunch of extemporaneous rules and stuff then we start you know then now it's like all of a sudden you know man dictates and all of a sudden we got all these bylaws everywhere i've been definitely guilty that's one of those things i didn't even realize i don't know if i talk about this on the podcast but i like come to a realization about how guilty i've been of gossip and like i hadn't really fully i never thought about it like whenever anyone talks about gossip i'm always just like oh well that's I can check out now because that's not something I do. I don't gossip. You know, I'm not one of those people. Uh, And then I really thought about it. Well, I was listening to a sermon about it and I, I kept getting this like feeling of like, eh, I'm not really interested in this sermon. I kind of feel like I want to turn it off. And I was like, I don't know what it is. Like every other one I've been listening to has just been really great. I really love the preacher and it's going well. And I was like, for some reason, this one, I just, I'm not feeling it. And I was like, it's kind of just rubbing me the wrong way. And I don't know why. And I got so close to turning it off like three different times. 
And I was like, you know what, God? Why is this rubbing me the wrong way? Why do I not like this sermon all of a sudden? I was like, because I haven't disagreed with anything they have said in any of the last sermons I've heard. It's just this yeah. one all of a sudden I start to nitpick. And I'm like, well, is that really? I don't know if that's truly what it means. I mean, come on. We're really going to start pulling hairs here. And then I realized, I was like, I think I maybe just have an issue with gossip. I was like, I think I just talk poorly behind people's backs. And uh, it's not like my main issue that I have, but I've definitely been guilty of it. And I've definitely been guilty of it within the church. Like, that was a big thing that I had to reflect on. I felt so, once I really started thinking about it, I have definitely been a part of perpetuating gossip within the church and just talking badly about people and making fun of them behind their back for stuff that they do. And like... I don't think there's anything that can rot out the unity that you're supposed to have between fellow believers than gossip because then it's like you just are like, okay, well, then I can't trust these people. Like I thought these are the people I was supposed to be able to trust. And now like I already I don't trust those people, you know, where already I was like, well, just because they say they're a Christian doesn't mean I'm going to trust them. Like I don't that doesn't mean that unfortunately, in my opinion, not now as much, but definitely times just saying you're a Christian, it does mean very little in America. I've known a lot of people that have claimed to be Christian. That means very little, you know? So like, it doesn't hold a lot of water that if you say that, I'm like, oh, finally, someone that I can bear my soul to right now. I know that I can rely on them. They're going to have my back. I'm going to have their back. Like, unfortunately, I feel like that, especially in this country where it's a little more widely accepted or culturally it's a thing to be Christian or to be whatever that well, it kind of kind carries of, a little it, less it, weight. It, it's kind of like certain parts of the U.S. It's a, it's sort of ingrained in our culture. It's ingrained in our history as a nation. So it's kind of like for people, Christian and American have become synonymous, but they're not, but it's just kind of how they become. Yeah. But that's why, but scripture's always clear about that. It isn't just about our profession. It's about how our life is and how we live. And that's really, right, the telltale sign is people weigh what we say by what we do. And does our life back that up? But hey, go back to the beginning of the church, James, the first book written in the New Testament for the New Testament church. And the one of the things he deals with is the issue of the control of one's tongue. Because yeah. we, as sinners, we're prone to do that. I mean, that's the hardest thing for us to control is the words coming out of our mouth and, and how we speak about other people. And we can curse and bless, right, one one side of the mouth and then the next. It's like we, we just, and so therefore, it's like that's always been a part of exhortation to the churches to be able to control your tongue and the things that you say. Well, I'm because trying that's to, it, right? I mean, it's body life, so it's trying. To, it's building people up, encouraging them. Not that we don't re- rebuke and reprove and and that kind of thing, but it's always constructive. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I think that's the thing for me now is that I've I've been in church my entire life, and you know, I've been a part of the things that go on in church. I've been a part of the worship team. I've been a part of different aspects of stuff that goes on, but I feel like I've been very disconnected from church. Even if I've been there or, or been around it or been in and out of it, I feel like I have yet to really take the initiative to, to make church and make fellowship with believers a, 
like all that it is supposed to be. I think that I've kind of missed the point in a lot of ways. I've, I think it's maybe just come from one, our church being rather small so that there was just a limited amount of people, especially during certain periods and years where there's just not people around my age that I could really connect with in any capacity. And then I've been to a good amount of youth groups that I've always left not liking and felt very just excluded and like I was just like yeah this is just not something I want to be a part of it's not doing much for me but as I have progressed I guess in my faith I've, I've realized and and everybody that I listen to that is a Christian creator with any worth you know to them talks about community and how big community and having a circle of believers around you and having a church that you're plugged into that you're serving on a regular basis and stuff. I realize that it's definitely something that I'm missing out on and I need to go and dive into because I've definitely been in and out of church since I moved here, but it's been sparse at times and it's been jumping from different churches and I just haven't found something I really liked. And I, I think that I, I haven't made it a priority to go find a body to connect with, find some kind of thing where there's like Bible study on the week where I could go and connect with a smaller group of guys or something like that to help me along. And I'm just curious, in your opinion, what are like the main things when you're looking for something like that that are, what are the purposes it's really supposed to serve for people that are outside of that have been in that place where you're kind of in limbo, you're sometimes at church, mostly not, or you're never at church, and you're not really sure why you need to be there, you know? Like, you have a couple friends, so why do you really need to be at church? What's the point? Well, one, we're commanded to, right? Not to, to not keep forsaking I mean, that's the first one I was here. Right? So you know that it's... The point of that is is that you, you realize that there is a need for body life. So much so that a disconnect from it can be, you know, can bring difficulty into your life spiritually because you can't walk through this life alone. And that's that's part of it. Right. Is is that body life is a a part of building into into each other's lives. You're there for others, but they're also there for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you need that aspect in your life. You can't walk alone. And when you're in body life, you, you find even in your own life, right. That there are those who can lean on you, but you might find you don't have anyone else you can lean on. Mm. Maybe there's those who are around you who are believers, the spiritual maturity level. They're not a level where they can be leaned on and you can find guidance from them. Do you feel like that's a place you find yourself at regularly just because of the position you're in where you're the pastor that you have a lot of people that are leaning on you and you are left with not many people, if anyone, to lean back on? Yeah, but I have to find people then to do that. But, yeah, I mean, that's mm. one of the aspects of being a pastor is that, you know, people come to you for answers and they lean on you, need counsel, need, right? And so mm. you, that's a part of, but that's a part of the, the task that's given, but then you need to find those that you can lean on. So, you know, I have, a, I have your grandfather and I have Mr. Carroll and I have Mr. Chumley and others that I can, I can lean on them as a walk through stuff. And mm. I know I can just talk with them openly and honestly and, and, and can do that. But, you know, you just have to find those that you can do that with. But yeah, I mean, it, it, and it, it, it's, I think once it's, it's tougher, because you, you, there are things that you're asked to bear with people and for people, 
you can't always share those things with others, right? So people don't always know, like for your mom and I being in ministry full-time, it's like don't always know the things that we deal with in people's lives. And you can't just go around and say, well, pray for this because this is what I'm you know, having to do with this individual. They're confiding in you, and so you know, they're trusting that you're not going to say anything, going back to that gossip thing, right? Yeah. And so you can't, you know, say everything, but when you have those who know you and can just read it on your face, look, I I know they must be going through a difficult time, that they will pray for you and they don't need you to say anything to them. It's always good to have that. But, you know, the other side too is part of the – body life is that people when they look at churches and evaluate it's like what what do i get out of it and it does it serve the things that i'm looking for but a big part of our life if you look at christ's example is service yeah and he looked at he, you look at the the widow like i looked at last sunday going through mark's gospel leading up to the cross and then the resurrection and looked at certain examples of people one of them was the the widow who gave all that she had the contrast in that context in Mark 12 was the religious leaders who like all the pomp and circumstances and the, you know, greeting and places of honor at banquets and all this kind of stuff. And, and here then, and they devour widows houses and all that kind of stuff. And then here's this widow who gives in the midst of all these wealthy people, she gives everything she has and there's no safety net for her. Not, not what comes to religious leaders. Cause mm-hmm. you know, they're doing that. What they're doing went to the homes of the widows. And so, there's that complete dependence on God, but there's that sacrificial giving. And that, to me, I think is something that's missing when people look at body life is they should be looking at what can I bring and what can I do to serve and, and minister to others. And, and Would you so, say that that's the, maybe the biggest thing that you see lacking in body life in general across at least American Christianity? It's rare that people want to serve. I mean, we have a amazing body believers here but it's you have those who want to just put their time in they show up they sit in the back they i've made my appearance and then i duck out and and i'm done and that's the end of it but you know carrying your cross daily that's daily self-sacrifice daily dying to yourself that also means on sunday wednesday night so coming to body life with this attitude of service and desire to minister to others, you'll find how much how much easier it is even dealing with your own issues in your own life when you can get off yourself and concentrate on serving other people. Yeah, because then it's like it, that hour that you're there or whatever, it's not about you. It's an hour yeah. where it has nothing to do with you. You're not even thinking about you. You're too focused on looking for the needs of others and how do I serve them and what can I do for them that it, it almost takes that pressure off yourself, which is, I mean, that's so much of like anxiety and depression, all these things. You're putting such a burden on yourself by putting yourself in the center of the universe. And it's like, you can't carry that burden. You're not meant to be in the center. So, yeah. Yeah. So just, you know, I tell people just sometimes you're struggling with really difficult things start by just trying to think about others and, and do things of service for other people. And it's amazing how much, you know, that can get your mind off yourself and whatever you're going through and dealing with, but it also yeah. gets you to, because then you get that tunnel vision with, with whatever you're going through. If it's something that's so consuming, like with dealing with pain and stuff is that it can become so consuming that 
you know, you get this tunnel vision and when you start thinking about others, it's like it starts broadening your, your perspective and scope on life. And then you can sort of step back a little bit and then look at your own life and, and evaluate things a little bit more clearly and be more objective and less, mm-hmm. you know, subjective and self-involved, but less caught in so your own head. I, yeah. And I think the other side is like, you, it's like talents. God's given you a, a spiritual gift. Everyone has one or multiple to that are to be a benefit to the body. And, and so the body is deprived without you in it. And it's like, mm-hmm. and, and everyone's unique. And so, you know, to have someone who, who has a gift and yet don't use it. And I think there's a lot of believers who don't even realize they have a spiritual gift, let alone even know what that is. Oh, most, you know? I know many people that would say they have not been ever given a gift. They have no gift. They're not good but at you it. never know like, until you do something, no, right? Until you, until you go there serve and then. Yeah. But um, it's like you, talents. Talents have been given. To, so like I tell the boys, right, with music and that, talent has been given by God for you to bring edification to other human beings, right, and to glorify God. The same thing is true with spiritual gifts in the church is that they're meant to bring edification to others and glorification to God. Mm. And so everything that we have, I mean, even the fruit of the Spirit in our life— if you think about it, like in our process of sanctification, it's never meant to stop with us. We're like kind of reservoirs a lot of times with the way that we receive things from God. We receive the gift and it stays with us. But in reality, everything for us as believers is is we're supposed to be conduits. And it's supposed to flow through us and into the lives of other people. It's not supposed to stay with us. Fruit of the Spirit isn't just about the change in our personality and the way that we treat other people. It's how other people benefit from being an environment of someone who's a Spirit-led person, who's manifesting kindness and patience and, and all of those things and how it enriches the lives of other people. So we often do this. God's the great giver of gifts. We receive the gifts, but then we're, we're reservoirs. We just store it up to ourselves, yeah. and it dies with us. Is really what it does. Is that you you get this gift that's meant to be shared with others, and then there's great rejoicing for everybody in light of the experience of that. We keep the gift for ourselves, and it just dies with us, and it starts to you know. It's like it's like being given a bag full of seeds, and you're afraid anyone's going to take your seeds, and so you just keep them all to yourself, and then you die with seeds yeah. that have never been planted and to turn anything that was ever worthwhile. It was just waiting. Good, you died with your seeds, I guess. Exactly. I think that is so because it's just. I mean, even in my faith, it's so about me at times. I feel like I realize more and more is that I've put even when I'm in conversation with God or I'm in time of the Word or I'm walking through my day and I. Think think that I'm keeping the right mindset it's still all about me at times where it's how do I feel how 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 is this affecting me what do I need what do I want what do I want God to do for me or what do I want to see and so just trying to remind myself how do I look for places to be humbled how do I look for places where I'm gonna have to do the thing that other people don't want to do so I can be reminded that this isn't about me you know and then and there's nothing more infectious or there's no better argument for faith or for the gospel than somebody that's just living the life of a servant and doing what they're supposed to do like out of all the arguments you may be able to make that one is the best the most outstanding one you can make to someone that doesn't believe and the other side is like you know looking at one of the the examples of someone as 
Mark moves in his gospel towards the cross and resurrection is the is the focus on women and one of the women is in chapter 14 and we're not given her name because he wants to focus on what she does but she's the one who anoints Jesus' head with the expensive perfume and it's interesting because people started grumbling and and you know, sort of rebuking her for what she was doing and they said, you know, if you took this perfume and, and you could have sold it and got all this money for it and then give it to the poor. And, and Jesus tells them to, to leave her alone because she was anointing him for burial. So often when it comes to service and serving other people, as we, we think about the cost, but we miss the value of something. Those people understood the cost of the perfume, but they didn't understand the value of what she was doing in relation to Christ. And oftentimes when it comes to serving other people, we look at what it's going to cost us time, effort, energy, right? I don't want to take this time out of my day or do this kind of thing. I've got better things to do with my, my time, but you can completely miss the value of something, right? Just because we get hung up on the cost of, and I just, think that that's another thing that, that has to be taken into account in body life. I, just so you know, um, Cost versus value, or something along those lines, is going to be the title because that's a bar. I mean, that's just a, that sounds. <clears throat> I know you must have rehearsed that one in the mirror before you got on the podcast. You knew we were going to have this. Con- I don't know how you managed to direct it an hour into this thing, but uh, regardless, that was great. I'm glad you were able to to come up with that one earlier today. Um, I, that's probably why you wanted to do the podcast so badly last week when we weren't supposed to, because you're like, dude, I got. I'm going to come in hot with this one. He's not even going to know how to handle this. He's not even going to know what to do with this one. <laughs> you were a whole week early, just waiting. I've been hanging on this tag all week. <laughs> <laughs> this <whole> week. <laughs> do you ever get that? Do you ever get that in a sermon where you've come up with a really good tag and you're like, oh, this one's going to get him? Do you ever have that thought when prepping? Uh, yeah, but usually when I think that, it doesn't turn <laughs> out so well. It's always when I think, man, this is going to be a great sermon. It's and it's like, and then there's like crickets chirping when oh, you're done. God, <laughs> it's like, course. it's affected nobody. And then the ones I'm like going, man, that was so bad. What in the world am I, I saying? That one I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> People are like, oh, that hit me so powerful. I was like, seriously? <laughs> I don't even know what I was talking about. <laughs> Oh, dude. Uh, well, what is uh, before we before we wrap up? Uh, what has been on your mind this last week? How has the last week been for you, or the last two weeks? I guess you know. I, you know, probably for me, I think the the const, the, the reminder of the need for prayer for mm. people. I, I I think the more that. The watch the way that the world is going, the more the necessity of, of prayer in our lives for others. But I think just, you know, people in general, the things that they're going through in that, it's not like I don't pray, right? But it's just that you, you get these reminders every once in a while because things can become routine, you know? You do it because you do it because you do yeah. it. Yeah, but there are times where the Lord just reminds you that this is a spiritual warfare, and and you need to be praying for people. And there's just a lot of ways in which people are suffering and going through difficult times, and and they need it. Mm. That's been uh, it's it's very interesting because that's kind of been a thing for me, and it's not just been praying for people. Praying for people has been one of them, which is something that I've 
It's one of those things that have always been void in my prayer life up until recently is prayers for other people. And of course, because it's I'm a very self-centered human being and I'm finally just starting to understand that. So that's why that's what I say when I'm that's what I mean when I say having like being in the word and being in prayer and still being all about you is like just forgetting that there are even other people that exist to pray about it. It always becomes about your new issue or your new thing that you need or want that week or whatever. But I had I have had a very interesting last two weeks. I feel like I keep having ups and then getting thrown into downs. And I feel like it was it hasn't been that way until recently. I since the new year till now, it's been a lot of like high highs and some really low lows. And it'll be like a week that's really good and then a week that's really bad and then a week that's pretty good and then a week that's pretty bad and or some variation of of it being broken up. But last week was good. Like it was just a really good week. I remember I had I just felt like I had on the last episode of the podcast, I was talking about struggles with jump starting your relationship with the Lord and jump starting your walk and figure feeling like yeah. just disconnected and then I was having a hard time and then I started bringing back some old patterns and old habits that I that I had established before that were working really well for me and I started doing some new ones and um and uh, it really started to help and it started to to fix all the things that I thought were wrong you know and uh, I was like great we're doing good we're we're coasting and then all of a sudden it just kind of wasn't doing it the same way you know and it's it's very funny how how sometimes it works and how sometimes my relationship or my dynamic with God will go over or how my prayer time or whatever that it you might have a feeling or a thing that it moves you to one day and the next day it feels completely different and not that that's a bad thing you know but I think that I had I felt like the thing that kept coming to mind for me over this last week what that had been pretty low was this last weekend and then the beginning of this week was the uh, the story of Peter walking out of the boat and walking on water. And then the fact that he was fine, staying afloat, whatever, and then he took his eyes off the Lord and then started to sink, started to focus on the storm, started to focus on the things around him, started to fall. Yeah. And <clears throat> I was like, I feel like that's where I'm at. I feel like for some reason, and I didn't even know why or what exactly that meant, but that's the story that kept coming to mind when I kept feeling like I was having a high and then a low and then a high and then a low. And I was just like, what am I doing wrong? Like, I think that I am keeping my eyes on the Lord. Like, I thought that's what I was doing. And so what am I not doing or what am I doing incorrectly that is keeping me from being able to be at this place where I can have peace and I can fight through these temptations and I can continue to improve. And I think I realized that there's as much as listening to things and like listening to sermons and, and listening to podcasts and stuff that are talking about different stuff, not to discourage anyone from listening to our podcast. (laughs) They're great. It's great. It's great to have that, especially when it's stuff that, that, conjures up conversation between you and God throughout your day. Yeah. But there's just, there's no supplement for just praying and just talking to God yourself. And I think that now one thing that's changed my time in the word is that 
my time reading the Bible is mostly praying. Like I can spend 45 minutes on eight verses because it's mostly prayer mixed with reading. And I'm just letting whatever I'm reading that day generate the new ideas of prayer that are coming. And I'm praying through what I'm going through and I'm letting the thoughts that come to me from those verses just, I'm just going to expound on them as long as it takes, you know? And so I was having these moments, I was catching myself where I was having my morning time in the word or time in prayer and I felt good. I felt great. I felt at peace. I felt ready to, to just go about my day. And then as soon as I started to get to the, to the end where I was like, all right, I think I got to wrap it up because I got to get going to work. I just got this like panicky anxiety kind of feeling that came over me. And I was like, Am I afraid to stop conversing with God? Am I afraid to stop having this? Am I afraid? And I kind of got this fear of like, well, what what happens when I stop and I have to go to work and then I don't want to be at work. And then I feel like I'm not going to be able to make it through work anymore. And I'm going to need something to help get me through the day. And then like, what am I going to do when I fail? What am I going to do when I can't stand on my own for the eight hours I have to be there? And then I turn to some other kind of vice to help me get through it that I know that I'm trying to avoid at the moment, you know? Yeah. And I realized that because I've just been going through Psalm 119 over and over again for the last month or so that it's just it's prayer on a constant basis is what it is. That's how you keep your eyes on God is that every moment I shouldn't be talking to somebody at my work more than I'm talking to God at work. You know, the fact that I'm having conversations with my with my coworkers throughout my day and I'm having more conversation with them than I am with him. It's like, well, of course, I'm setting myself up to not do that well. Like I'm having big gaps, hours that go by where him and his word and the way of living according to it has not even crossed my mind a single time. And so it becomes very difficult to like keep yourself in that mindset and to be able to stay strong when things come their way. Because it's so easy for a thought to turn into something big and to plant itself and to fully grow up into a decision where you make a poor decision. It's like it takes such little time that you. I don't even want to give the thought time to be planted, you know? So, like, I should be defending them at the front gate, but the only way to defend them at the front gate and not let them in is to just constantly be on alert by constantly being in prayer, constantly talking things out with God, constantly being in meditation over what I had read that morning, you know, or what I read the night before. And uh, it was very funny because I had, I had, re- I've, almost done with this book called a praying life by paul e miller Mm -hmm. and it's uh i don't know if you're familiar with the book but it's a really good book and i remember because i i got these suggestions from somebody and i was like all right i need to uh i need to listen to these books and the other one was um the pursuit of god by aw tozer i think that's what it was yeah that sound right is that a guy aw tozer yeah that book was great one of the best books i've ever i've ever heard um or read but I um, I was listening to this book on Audible, and uh, I was like, all right, well, this book on prayer, I think I have prayer figured out. I was like, so I'm glad I can hear this one, and I'm sure there'll be some new ideas in there on how to pray that maybe I didn't think of. But like this one will mostly be background noise. I don't really need too much from this book. And it was just so funny that over the, f- the week that I listened through this book, I had so many just ups and downs and there were so many different things that God showed to me about prayer that I was, I had completely wrong and backwards and I had just subjugated my conversations with God to the morning and the evening and maybe on my lunch break or something like that. Yeah. 
and it was just, or or occasionally throughout my day, I would have little moments where I talked to him, but it became sparse at times. And it was mostly I was listening to Christian podcasts or sermons, and I wasn't just going to him in conversation. And I was like, man, I thought I had this figured out, and I thought this book was just going to be something that I kind of play in the background, and like maybe I'll get something out of it. But it's not. I mean, I I, I know I know how to pray. I mean, I've prayed before. Yeah. And uh, it, it's been so crazy to see just the change over the last couple it's only been like two days that i've really just taken up just praying constantly from the time i wake up before i get out of bed the first thing i want to do is be praying praying for strength to get out of bed and not just hit snooze again and then praying over the word while before i go to work praying on my way to work as soon as i get to work i catch myself for most of the time i'll go through the full day and i wouldn't have listened to anything i just have my headphone in my ear all day and didn't press play because i just didn't want to stop you know, I didn't want to stop that line of conversation. And but at the same time, too, then I had to learn the thing where it's like, OK, am I truly trusting God? And I'm saying that I'm praying and talking things out with him. Or is it that I think that as long as I keep talking, I won't let other thoughts get in my head. And then yeah. I started to get anxious again because now it's back on me. It's as long as I can keep talking, I will be fine. But yeah. then it's back on me. I've picked it up the burden and put the burden back on my back and took it away from God's at God's feet where I should have left it from the beginning. But it's been a, it's been a very up and down week. But I've, I'm on and up now, and uh, it's I, the way that I've looked at prayer and meditation and what that looks like and how much of your day should be consumed by it is it's been very eye opening things for me over the last week. I mean that's why I mean sometimes people mock it when. You know, we're told by Paul, pray without ceasing. And people are like, I can't do that. But yeah, it's just, it's constantly walking in that state of connection with God and dependence on mm-hmm. him and everything. I mean, that's what I think, like Psalm 119 is so interesting because there's so many of these statements of resolve, but then there's this complete, like, rest and, and independence upon God, you know? And it's like with all of these statements of resolve, I will do this, I, I will seek you, I do these kinds of things, you know, there's just constant dependence through the whole entire thing. Yeah. I think that's part of what meditation is, is just the, the prayerful processing of the Word of God in your life. Well, I think people are easy to say that, well, that's just like, it's a metaphor, for like, I mean, he's exaggerating. You don't actually pray without ceasing, but it's metaphorically you pray without ceasing because you're praying a decent amount. And it's like, no, I think that you kind of get pretty close to praying without ceasing. I mean, other than when I'm talking to somebody else, so I can't directly be talking to God. But other than that, it feels like, I don't know, it just feels like it should just be a constant. And like, and the thing is, is once you hit that, because once I, I, I have that, that union that better, the more developed union with God. And I feel that peace that comes from that. And I have that kind of settledness inside of me. I don't want to lose that. And if talking to God consistently is what takes to keep me at that place, then I guess that's what I'm going to keep doing all day because I would really, I'm it's either that or like a anxiety filled mess where I think I have to carry every burden and I'm just dreading the moment when I know I'm going to fail next. And it's the realization he really is in us, right? Dwelling in us. He, he mm-hmm. compels us to do things. He guides us. And part of being in that state of prayer and dependence on him is, is openness to him leading to us to respond to situations in life, to, 
you know, minister to others to do whatever he would have us do if he opens up doors, mm. right, for us to serve other people. It's like being receptive to him doing that. It's like, you know, in Galatians 5, I've been thinking about that passage. Paul talks about those who live by the Spirit are walking by the Spirit, literally keeping in step with Him. In other words, He he lays out the cadence, and we just follow His lead. But mm. it's like there there is then this yieldedness in our heart and the way that we look at life, that as we walk through life, we're constantly yielded to the Spirit to be using us in different ways. And I think part of doing that is being in that, you know, that ceaseless state of prayer where we're constantly talking to God and staying connected. Well, I hope that the person that's listening to this episode has had a few thoughts, at least one or two, maybe the, which is a worse sin, ball stealing or hitting into someone on a par three. Maybe that generated a conversation between you and God. And I hope that, that we were able to do that for you. I mean, that's the least we could do, really. You know, is just stir a conversation between them and the Lord. We're here to solve the big problems. We're tackling the major issues here. All right. I hate to get too political with things, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to be unapologetic. I'm going to be unapologetic for my beliefs. Well, on that note, I thank you, whoever is listening, for listening. And I hope you enjoyed. And I hope that your next two weeks are on the up and you do a little better than you did the last two weeks and we'll check back in with you and remember may god help us there you go there you go i thought we lost you for a second but we didn't we still have you thank you for listening we're out